all together over 25 years and, and uh, longer than me. Um, but uh, she served in uh, Korea, China, uh, Israel, and Ukraine, and now for nearly 21 years in the Philippines. So give her a good hand. Welcome to our missionary mentoring again. I did just a few minutes last Friday. Uh, but today we're going to continue on with missionary mentoring. Before we do, though, uh, I'm not going to play the keyword today, but I'd like us to sing a song. A uh, very simple song. And I, maybe you've sung it here before. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. God is so last Friday, have you ever had a mentor or have you mentored someone? A lot of people seem to indicate you've had some experience and we listened to a few. I just wanted to ask those of you who did not respond, is there anyone amongst you that wants to share just for a minute about the mentor that you have had? Does anyone else want to share? <clears throat> so, yeah, I will share. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So I have, <clears throat> I have a mentor and also I have mentor other. Yeah, so um, also I have many mentors, but uh, two, I have two main mentors is the pastor in the church and one member in the church. Yeah, but um, for pastor is uh, my leader and I just uh, share with him what is involved in the ministry or something like that. But um, I want to share my mentor is the uh, sister in the church. Yeah, I feel really comfortable whenever I have uh, any problem and wonder. So I will uh, call her and message her or come to meet her to to share with her. And because she is usually have a, a really, um, how can I say, she can comfort me. <laughs> Actually, I, 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 I find my... Um, comfortable feeling when I share with her and uh, I feel um, security uh, I mean like when I share secret she will keep my secret and uh, just just uh, just um, help me to understand or because sometimes I don't understand uh, something when I share with her then uh, she already experienced that and she will share her opinion so I also feel like I can find the answers when I talk with her. So I yeah, really love sharing with her. And also I have, um, I mentor others, is my disciple in the church. Yeah, so uh, she also want to be missionary and she want to go to uh, China. But uh, she also has some difficulties that parents call her, come back home and work in the hometown. So, but she is really good child, good child. So uh, she obey parents, but in her heart still have fire to be missionary in China. So yeah, I wish we also talk with her and share. Mm -hmm. jumping up. So let me go on to my next question. <laughs> I love questions. <laughs> um, we've started mentoring partnerships. Uh, let me ask, Has how many of you have been able to meet one time with your partners? Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> so how's it going? Any questions about this? Especially those of you who've started. Is it clear what you're doing? <laughs> okay. All right, good. Please feel free uh, to run into any questions. Uh, please feel free to ask. All right. Well, so we've talked a little bit about it, and some of us have been practicing. Others have had experience. But the question remains, what is mentoring? Uh, so let's take a look. And... This is for those of you who are taking this class for credit. I'm giving you what we call in American English a heads up. That means I'm telling you beforehand, this is going to be on the test, what we're talking about just in a minute. So here's one question. Oh, by the way, oh, 
Let's see here. I can dig out my PowerPoint. I have a PowerPoint um, that you can put on your computers. And so, in fact, I put it on two different flash drives. So we can start right here. Anyone who wants it, just take it and pass it on. And you'll see it's the last in there. It says Missionary Monthly Monthly. So, all right. So here's the question. Choose one definition of mentoring and defend why you think it's the best for you in your context. And that means I want you to give me your best, your favorite mentoring definition. It can be your own. You can base it on one of these that I will share in a minute, but you can make your own up too. I also, in order to answer this question well, you need to a brief description of the context of mentoring you may be involved in. Okay? Uh, some of you may not be thinking so much as be, um, being a missionary and realize there are vistas like that. But if you are thinking of being a missionary, imagine your context as a missionary and then describe that and then describe why this is the best definition for your context. We're, we're making it very specific. And, by the way, we're going to do something like that for all of us. Four will be on Friday, so you can be thinking about that. All right, so let's look at some of these definitions of mentoring that you can choose from or develop your own definition from. Now, this Clinton guy, oh, let me see here. That's this guy here. You have reading materials from this book, Connecting. This is a classic in the field of mentoring. Well-known all over. Pretty sure it's well-known in the non-Christian world as well because it's such an excellent book on mentoring. So, mentoring is a relational experience through which one person empowers another by sharing God-given resources. Very nice. Mentor has resources that maybe the mentoree or the mentee, sometimes they're called the prodigy in the literature. Usually we as mentorees don't have so many resources and the mentor shares. That's a, that's a nice definition. Crosby, mentoring is a brain to pick, an ear to listen, and a push in the right direction. Someone who listens, someone that you can tell your ideas to, who will think about them and give you a response, and somebody who can push you in the way that you should go. Sounds good. Mentoring is an environment of intense investment by one person in another person for the purpose of facilitating growth and maturity. Wow. Investment in people. Sounds good for a missionary. <laughs> okay, here's a few more. Dr. Jack Rosell is my former pastor and the guy that started the very large mentoring ministry amongst missionaries in this region of the world. 
Mentoring is an agape relationship in which the mentor imparts his life using all the resources available to model, encourage, and empower the protege in the process of increasingly realizing his or her potential in Christ. Wow. So not only resources, but your very life. Man, I think all of these have some very good things to think about. And uh, Rick Lewis. Now, you have some readings on your computer from this guy, Mentoring Matters by Rick Lewis. And this book is particularly written with Christian leaders in mind. So that's one of the reasons I chose readings from the Athletics books. Christian mentoring identifies and promotes the work of God's Spirit in others' lives, assisting them to access God's resources for their growth. Now notice, let's just stop here a minute. Here, here we have resources, but the mentor assists them to access God's resources for their growth. In other words, somehow the mentor stepping back a little bit, instead of just giving, helping the mentor actually learn how to access God's resources for themselves. Very interesting. For their growth in, and strength in spirituality, character, and ministry. And I, there's a note here, the work of God's Spirit is already happening. We need to listen to what God is doing. That's one of the things that comes across in his book. God's at work. What's God doing? How can we cooperate with this process of mentoring the person? Very interesting. Well, mentoring is a new word for an old relationship. Huh? If we think of Moses and Joshua, Joshua spent so much time with Moses. He was sort of Moses' right-hand person. Moses mentored Joshua, and Joshua became a great leader of his people. Not the same as Moses. Different person, different ministry even to some extent. But yet that mentoring relationship enabled Joshua to be able to carry the mantle of leadership to the next generation. Amazing. Elijah and Elisha, the two prophets, some beautiful pictures there of mentoring and how Elijah, he wanted to stay so close to Elijah because he wanted Elijah's anointing. Beautiful picture. Barnabas and Paul, you know, without Barnabas, I don't know if so much of the New Testament would have been written, mm -hmm. <laughs> because Barnabas was Paul's mentor. In fact, one of the things Barnabas did for the Apostle Paul was he became the bridge between the Apostle Paul and the Christian community because they did not want to trust him. He had been murdering or responsible for the murder of Christians. So how could the Christians trust him? Well, Barnabas came along and mentored Paul, encouraged him, and made the connection 
for him to be accepted in the Christian community. Amazing. That's part of what a mentor can do for some, someone. And we have Paul and Timothy. And of course, we've got a couple books written by uh, the mentor Paul to his mentor Timothy. Beautiful, beautiful picture there. We can learn a lot from what they they talked about in those books. But of course, our number one mentor is Jesus and his 12 disciples. And if you keep going through this book, you'll find out this mentoring approach and the, the kinds of things that the Lord might mentor us with through reading this book are the kind of things Jesus mentored his disciples with. Uh, in this book, you probably noticed the focus is on Peter, but of course he talks about other disciples too. But the real focus is there. What happens when God says you're a rock and you're acting in your actions for much of your time with Jesus look anything but stable and rock-like? What's going on there? What does Jesus see? that others could not see at first. Well, he sees. And I think that's why Barnabas could, could mentor Paul, because through the Holy Spirit, Barnabas saw who Paul really was. He didn't see him as this person who had been angry and responsible for murdering Christians. He saw him as someone called by God to a very, very hard task. Someone who would suffer more than any other Christian in his time. And who would do more for the kingdom of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. What, what the Apostle Paul was able to accomplish. I'm not sure it would have happened without a Barnabas in his life. We need each other. I think that's one reason why we need mentoring. Mentoring, according to my former, former pastor, is a, a fundamental principle of human existence or experience. The greatest means of impacting the future is to build into another person's life. This process is called mentoring. Again, think of what would have happened if Moses never mentored Joshua. Would the children of Israel have taken the promised land where they have conquered? I believe so. Would the Apostle Paul have become who he was without mentoring of a, a, an older, mature believer? I have my doubts. It's God's plan. Now, Sometimes mentoring can be a little bit confusing because many things are often sort of included under the role of a mentor. And I want us just to think about this a second. What is a disciple? Anybody have an idea? I think we probably all may have some idea. <laughs> Somebody define it for us. A disciple maker, okay, that's a nice short definition. What does it, okay, okay, so we could say a disciple maker makes disciples, but can we be a little bit more specific in what a disciple does? They need to teach. Who do they teach? 
new sober. New believers. I think that is generally what we consider a disciple. Someone who helps new believers on their steps in their Christian life. Someone who teaches them how to read the word of God, how to pray, how to share their faith, how to be a Christian. So that's a very important, and that can be a part of mentoring at times. How about a coach? What does a coach do? Coach of your favorite sports team. What does the coach do? Guide. Guide. Strategy. Give strategy. Mold. Okay. Motivation. I'm sorry. Motivation. Motivation. Okay. That's motivation. All right. Very good. Okay. Does the coach have to teach anything? Yes. What does the coach teach? Do what? Principles of what? The strategy or what? Do what? Okay. Ah, very good. For the particular giving of the class. Okay. I think that's very helpful. And I know I'm kind of pulling it out of you. But the coach is focused on a particular giving class. Making basketball players or football players or tennis players or whatever. A coach might also teach young men and women how to preach. You can have a coach for ministry that is focused on the particular tasks that you have to do in your ministry. And I'm sure, David, in the mentoring that Pastor gave you, there was probably some talk about the task, right? Okay, so that is the aspect of coaching, which can be part of a mentoring relationship, okay? Okay, spiritual guide. I think the Catholics in general are a little bit more familiar with this. But that, that is somewhere just to help us and encourage us with a life with God. Generally, the focus is on letting the Holy Spirit lead in your life, how to cooperate more with the Father, how to build hopes into Him, this kind of thing. Spiritual guide. Teacher. Well, I think you kind of have an idea of what a teacher is. Pastor mentor, a role model. Okay? There is very passive means the person does not intend to mentor you, but you still receive mentoring somehow. Uh, and that can be the role model. The person, maybe there's a hero you have in your life or someone. Uh, that you really want to be like that Christian because of this or that minister or that missionary. That's a role model. Then you learn from them 
how to be a minister, how to be a missionary. They're not maybe with one hundred pound up interaction or any interaction with them. They may be someone that you meet in the book, but they're still a role model for you. And the author's experiences or the experience of the person that the author writes about is so helpful for mentoring you. You can learn from it as you grow in your own life. Passive mentoring. So, and then we have a co-mentor. We'll talk a little bit more about this co-mentoring later on. I had a co-mentor here in the Philippines some years ago. It was wonderful. Um, it was something like you're doing. We would get together. We would talk about what's going on in our lives. We would talk about our goals. We would pray for and encourage one another. And we purposely set time aside that we could do this. So... Uh, I encourage you to think about that. Uh, for me, it was with another missionary. It was a very good experience. Finally, there's another kind of mentoring that can happen in counseling. Counseling is a little different, though, than mentoring. Does anyone have an idea why counseling is a little different than the overall idea of mentoring? Okay, so the counselor might be listening more than giving insight. That's quite possible, yeah. And there's a place where he's helping to find the question, find the answer. Okay. Not giving direct advice. Okay, all right. The counselor might help them to find the answer and not give direct advice, okay? Okay, good. Is there anything else about counseling? Another one, they, maybe they are the one who see the your blind spot. Mm -hmm. Okay, it could be. I think, I think it's possible for a mentor yes. to see that as well. Counselor usually works with a specific problem. Okay? I would, for, for example, maybe uh, a couple is having some struggles in their marriage. They go to see a counselor. Or maybe, uh, maybe uh, a Christian minister or missionary is having a feeling of depression. And it's been like that for a while. And they go see a counselor to deal with the specific problem. That's a little bit different than mentoring overall. But all of these things from time to time happen with mentors. And it depends on really the goal of the mentoring and the philosophy of the mentoring that you have. And that is why it's very important to choose a definition. Uh, now, I gave you a lot of definitions just a little bit, little bit ago, uh, actually five of them. And, but, but there are more definitions than this. And this is my mentoring definition. Uh, now, mentoring is about cooperating with the Holy Spirit to help people become 
the unique person God is calling them to be. It's more about helping them to become their true identity in Christ than about helping them to do something. Although, this will help them to do many things. If we know who we are in Christ, we can do many things. So, the focus here, though, is on cooperation I believe for each one of us in the room and every Christian in the world, God is already at work and he's doing something specific. And a mentor can help us to see what the Lord is doing and how the Lord is shaping us. And the mentor gets to cooperate with that. So that's the, that's the fun part, cooperating with the Lord. Now, mentoring is, yes, Asking, how are things going? That might mean how the ministry or how the missionary work is going. But it's more about how is your soul? I think some of the teachers mentioned something like that last week. Remember, I think it was uh, Dr. Barbara. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if we have run into trouble. Friday, uh, we're going to have an assignment, and um, I want you to do a five-minute discussion on the following. What I learned from my mentoring experience and in our class experience and our readings for this week, and how I would like to use what I learned about mentoring for my life in the future. Just five minutes, but I want you to think about mentoring. Think about it as you talk with your co-mentors. And maybe you're already, I think, Joe's already in a mentoring relationship. So you already have something in place for yourself. But I'd like you specifically to think about how you might use mentoring in your ministry. 
mentoring others. You can focus on being mentored, and I prefer that, but if you want to talk about mentoring others, you're also welcome. But be sure and say something about mentoring for yourself. Because this Missionary Training Institute, it's for you. How are you going to survive long-term and not only survive, do it joyfully, being at peace, full of God's love? How can we do that? Well, that's the question. And so I want you to reflect on these things and come up with a little plan that you can share with us on Friday, which will be our last time together. Well, we've noticed several teachers have talked about being versus doing this last week. And in some of the mentoring definitions, I definitely talked about you know, helping someone to do some things but it especially talked about helping them to become or helping us to become. So I just want to encourage you to think more about encouraging being than doing. Who am I really deep down in my heart? That's a big mentoring question. Who is Peter really? Really, he's a rock. God knew that. But deep down in his heart, he had to grow to become who he really was in Christ. Because inside, he was pretty unstable. All of us have areas like that. And the Lord gives us opportunities to grow in these areas so we can become who he's calling us to be. Proverbs 4.23 was mentioned this last week. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I have the joy of being in Bible school ministry here in the Philippines for a number of years. Six of, six of them I served as the president of our small Bible school. I really loved those students. One thing I learned, though, you can train a student to, to perform very well in the ministry. But if the heart is not trained, big problems can result. And so one of the things I did was I started a mentoring groups for every student on campus, led by one of our faculty or staff at the Bible school. I thank God for that. They're still doing it today. The students loved it because they finally had someone that they could share with as they're trying to become people who are really walking out the good news in their personal life because that's where it counts. <laughs> we talk about the joy of Jesus and we share that with others, but in our life we're miserable. And I have been there. I have done that. <laughs> oh, it's no good. God has something so much better for us than that. That's why I believe mentoring is so important. Well, why is 
who I am on the inside so important for us as missionaries? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry my husband isn't here uh, right now to share with me in the story a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to sit down. Uh, my husband and I were good missionaries. <laughs> kind of embarrassing to tell you this. But our boss thought we were great missionaries. <laughs> oh, you know, only the Lord really knows. We can't really say. We certainly were doing a lot of things. My husband, his first calling in the ministry was as an evangelist. And I know he has a gift. I sat in the States and in, in the service and realized when this homosexual young man came forward to the altar, I thought to myself, God, God has given my husband a gift. Um, so we, when we first got married, we went all over the Philippines, <laughs> sharing the gospel in really far off places, not so much in the big towns, but in the far off places, doing three night outdoor rallies. Good news rallies. My husband would preach. We'd do children's ministry. I would usually sing. And then we'd be three nights somewhere else. Maybe a day off, three nights somewhere else. Finally, my husband determined that if I continued going on like this forever, I wasn't going to last forever because my health was starting to give out because it was quite exhausting to live in a different place every three or four days. So, in 1999, we took a trip to the Bicol region and decided that that would be the place of our future ministry. And I had great peace about that. And we came in 2000 and until about 2011, 9 or 11, I guess it must have been, but we, we, we ministered then. After a few years, I became president of Bible school. After a few years, my husband became the country moderator of all the missionaries from the USA Assembly for God living in this country. There were a lot of missionaries at that time. I'm not sure, maybe 60, 70, 80. There were families more. So we were very, very busy. <laughs> oh, so busy. We had our evangelistic outreaches usually over the weekend somewhere. Then during the week, I'd be teaching and or administrating the Bible school, sol solving problems, doing everything you have to do, and doing other work as well. We had other things going on. I mean, we had, you know, missionary ministry gets busy sometimes. I had a burden because we had wonderful pastors in our region, and they had a burden to do church planting, but the church planting efforts weren't going so well. And so um, I prayed, and we started together with our district leaders, uh, and new actually was a wonderful thing. We, we trained churches and pastors to have 
house church planting schools in their own churches where they would train the members to start a house church. And then those house churches would be related to the mother church. The pastor would mentor the house church planters and work together. And uh, that that really grew because uh, this was Beagle and it hit the heart of the Beagle Hunters. They wanted to reach out. They, they didn't have money to do anything expensive. They wanted to have mentoring, which was part of it. Uh, the pastors were supposed to mentor the people working. And it grew. I think at the height we had had 12 church planting schools around our region. And when my husband did research, we had to go home for two years. And when we came back after being gone two years, there were 209 house churches that had been planned around the Beagle region. It was amazing. So this is what I'm saying. We looked really good on the outside, but we were not doing very good on the inside. And this is what I want to share with you today. Why? <laughs> you notice up there it says burnout and depression. I could share about God's love, but I wasn't feeling very loved by God. I could teach about God's peace, but I wasn't feeling very much peace myself. I was feeling a tremendous amount of stress. Tremendous. I could teach about joy, but I wasn't very happy. Part of my problem was this. Something was wrong with my husband. I didn't understand what it was. I couldn't understand it. He seemed so angry a lot of the time. It was very hard to connect with him. And this can happen between husbands and wives. Anyway, we wives generally are always fun to connect with our husbands. <laughs> it's not always the easiest thing. But in this situation, I knew there was something really wrong. And I started to talk to him. I said, sweetie, I think we need some help. <laughs> I think we need some help. Well, I don't know how it is in your countries, but in America, generally when the wife says, we need help, the husband is not so interested. <laughs> and that was the case. But I, I started really praying about this because things did not get better. Our ministry looked great, but on the inside, we had a tank problem. Our tanks were empty. We had, uh, the way our mission works most of the time, not always, is that we're in our country for four years and back out home for one. Then back out for four and one. So it was our turn to go home. I knew I was very tired, both physically 
and spiritually and emotionally you have to remove something was wrong with my husband. I'm so thankful that we we went to a missionary meeting in Springfield, Missouri, which is the place of the head of the Missing House of God. And, and I was able to talk to my former pastor who had a um, ministry to missionaries doing counseling and mentoring for missionaries. And that ministry actually took place in my own home, you know, in the area of my, my home. And so he interviewed us. And I realized when he talked to my husband, uh, I think I didn't even understand everything he said, but I realized that, that, that there was something wrong. And I, I didn't know what it was. So anyway, in the end, my husband will tell you we got in a big fight because I wanted us to have more counseling and my husband didn't want. Four hours we fought. Now we're in the United States now. We are in a hotel room because we had just been to this conference. We fought. In the end, nothing. Uh, but I kept praying. And finally, it came to the point where my husband noticed that he was depressed. And so he was the one that called my former pastor and made an appointment for us to go to that place and spend some time with them to find out what was happening. While we were there, we found out my husband was really depressed. I had no idea. I, I really, I just didn't know what was wrong. And we also found out that I was in some level of recovery. I was so tired. My pain was so low. Between the ministry and my husband, that I could not go on. But in fact, we were in the States for quite a few months, and I did not know if I would ever be able to be a missionary because my pain had gotten so low, I couldn't go on. Praise God for this wonderful ministry that my former pastor had for missionaries. They had counselors, they had mentors, and they counseled us separately, and finally uh, we were counseled together, and we came together to work on marriage issues. I just praise God because during that time, they helped us to fill our tanks because the Holy Spirit really used them to show us where we had gone wrong and how we had focused on doing way over. Now I know I don't have to teach you or anyone I don't even have to be a missionary. I don't have to do anything for God to love me. God just loves me. I don't have to do anything. And that was one of my biggest, biggest challenges. I just want to encourage you. I just have challenges that are hard. And a lot of times they are our blind spots. David mentioned this word. Great word. <laughs> Both me and my husband, we thought we were being okay. 
this is a theological question. What does the Bible teach? Or am I a saint? Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm going to read that shortly. Uh, I'm going to try to pick up that point. So what difference does it make how I see myself? Yeah. It's even your thing for ourselves to see who I am and helping others to see who they are in Christ makes a great deal of difference in how well we can minister. Low self-esteem may lead to depression, loss of fruitfulness, and even early termination of my missionary calling. It can even keep us from learning languages. One of my, my students in another class decided this is true. If we are not full of God's love for us, well, how can we give that love to others? And how can we learn a language if we don't have confidence? And God wants to give us that confidence, I'm convinced. Are there any questions? Well, having said that, I have a test. <laughs> I'm calling it today the fear test. Well, let's see if I can find my test. Yes, here it is. I, I'd like to just take a few minutes in this class. Now, there is no... Uh, please, you, you don't have to worry about passing the test. I'm not going to take it back. This is for you only, not for me. But I will make some comments after about five, ten minutes. We'll just, please go ahead and take the
So I encourage you, especially if you're in this area here, to really make good work as soon as possible of finding someone to talk to, a pastor, a mentor, and you know, if you're around here, I'd always be open to talking to our students and community, okay? Because God has such a good plan. And it's a plan for us to grow to become who he called us to be. He's got a vision of who we are. It's wonderful. And it doesn't include being fearful. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, the reason we're, we don't have to have fear eventually even though we may now, and I confess. Let's see, what can I confess? Ah, when I sense someone might reject me, I become nervous and anxious. I confess that. <laughs> and God is working with me. I'm so grateful. I've already said to the Lord, Lord, I'm having the trouble with this one here. So, uh, I, I hope before too long to have a mentoring conversation with someone and see what I can do to grow. But we're becoming something not of this world. People in this world are afraid. And when we're afraid, that's kind of the opposite of love. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear in First John. So, we're becoming something that is out of this world. I want to encourage all of us. Don't worry about the fact we're not 
perfect. That was always my worry. I had to be this perfect person, and I'm not. I'm just me, growing. A child of God trying to grow up. Still trying. And that's okay. But I'm becoming something wonderful. And so are you. The lie, and this is the missionary lie. I'm important because of who I am to God is the truth. I'm beloved, a treasure, redeemed, and so on. Wonderful thing. But what does the world and Satan tell missionaries about why they are important? Maybe it's how many people become Christians under my ministry. How many people I teach, how many churches I plant, or if our ministry is compassion ministry, how many people I feed or clothe. It all comes to how big am I in the kingdom? <laughs> now I'm still learning this. I'm not there yet, but I want to be a person that can say, I'm doing very little, but what I'm doing is what God wants me to do, and that's okay. There's something inside of me that wants to make a big splash in the kingdom of God. I have to confess that, and that's not God's plan. God's plan is I do the little things with love, and I'm learning, I'm learning. He knows the weaknesses that we have. <laughs> so, if you're a missionary and you're only important if people come to the Lord and you can write a missionary letter back home about all these people who've come to know Christ, can you stay for 17 years in a tribe and wait for your first person to come to know the Lord? Can you do it? No, you won't have the strength if your focus is on doing above being. You will feel like a failure. And that was my problem. My tail ran out. <laughs> yeah, but you see, God is very big and we're here today. <laughs> my tank is doing much better than it used to do. But I tried to be this good missionary. Christianity is not trying to do anything. It's the Holy Spirit working on us to become something. All the religions of this world are always, we have to do this and this and this. But Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's one of my number one verses. And I'm still being corrected by the Holy Spirit about that. <sighs> we have the right in Christ to put away the shameful lies of our worldly identity and embrace the honor of our true identity in Christ. So <clears throat> I want to give you an example of a missionary mentoring program that we had. Uh, and we're going to have a little bit of a longer break today because I need it. <laughs> All right? So we'll have, you know. Uh, but um, 
years ago, uh, we didn't have any mentoring amongst missionaries that was really planned for. Uh, but I'm going to give you an example. Uh, actually, I had, a, I had a, a very, very small part in the beginning of this, but in 1996, my former pastor was asked by our mission to start helping missionaries be more healthy. And one of the things that he wanted was for us to start a mentoring program for missionaries so that missionaries could be more healthy and last longer because we were losing missionaries who were really great missionaries. But because of this stress and that stress and so on, they were having to leave early from the place that they were called to. So anyway, I started by, I did some research here at APTS in 1996. And that research with other research that my pastor and others did came together and they began training for missionaries in our region, not just the Philippines, to learn how to be mentors and to have mentoring relationships. So the purpose of this missionary mentoring was to enhance the quality, effectiveness, and longevity of Asia-Pacific missionaries. This would be in a, accomplished by trained mentors mentoring fellow missionaries on the field. Okay, so that was a plan that was put into place by the Assemblies of God USA. Here what were the kinds of issues that they wanted to focus on in the mentoring. And some of these, especially Dr. Barb and Dr. Weldon talked about in Missionary Life. Background issues, number one, unresolved. Uh, I discovered during the year we had to rest in the United States and have counseling that I had all kinds of unresolved background issues. I had no idea that I had them. <laughs> oh, God is so good. Two, expectations. Some people go to be a missionary and they say, okay, in this place, let's say, let's say, say maybe that I want to be a missionary to Japan. And I expect that in the first year, 200 people are going to come to Christ. Is this, is that, does that happen very often? If in one year, if I am a missionary to Japan, can I expect that within one year, I will win 200 people to Christ? Within the... Well, 
<laughs> Apparently, he wasn't doing that for all the missionaries that Mimi knows. <laughs> so what will happen to you if you decide to go to, to Japan as a missionary and you expect 200 people to come to Christ within one year? What will happen to you? After one year, we feel fail. What it could have been avoided. <laughs> Somebody might have ventured you and said, "Okay, maybe that's not what God is doing yet in this country. Let's see what God does." Yeah. Or I know we many years ago. We had some missionaries who wanted to go to Mindanao amongst the Muslims and have outdoor outreaches and preach very openly and so on. Well, they couldn't do anything like that. And they were so disappointed. I think, if I understood right, they even got angry. Well, maybe there's a it isn't always the right way to approach it, right? So, here's the thing. We all have expectations. The question is, are they God's expectations, or are they our expectations? <laughs> we need to determine that, and mentors can help, if we're willing to listen. Three relationships, unhealthy. <clears throat> You know, I discovered that my relationship with my husband was rather unhealthy, and that's one of the reasons we had some trouble during that time. Uh, yes. Yes. Regarding um, uh, when it comes to expectation, because um, I believe we will be teach, we will be, we will learn also the vision, right? Uh, that's why we are going there because God has. I um, laid one vision to every one of us when we got called to those who are called. Because, uh, but we, in, in, in that vision, we will always face, I mean, am I right to say that we will always face um, this kind of struggle. But as we, I mean, we, we are not, uh, we are not excluded unto that. But as long as you know that this is really what came from God, and then when you do it, and then God will really fulfill it. I remember in our uh, one of uh, students here also at MPI, our president now, Pastor Alvin, he came here that has only two of them, uh, together with her wife. And then they are just really want to really save souls for Jesus. And now, by God's grace, um, by God's grace, he was able to, since uh, 2011, uh, up to now, we are uh, in his ministry, to his ministry, by God's grace, uh, he's, we are able to bring 10,000 souls here. But in the process, mom, what I'm trying to say, there's always painful uh, experience, there's always uh, frustration, but um, I mean, 
how do we know if it is really just only imagination or just only, you know, because an expectation means, well, are we going to expect to ourselves or are we going to expect to the Lord? Something like that. That is just only the, the challenge there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great question, and I really appreciate you bringing it up. You're really helping us all. Um, <coughs> it comes down to how do we really hear from the Lord and know the difference between what's just us or maybe influence from somewhere else and what's God, right? And I, one of the things, because I, one of the gifts the Lord uh, uses me in is prophecies and I know that this is always a question for everyone who gives a word of prophecy to someone. Is this really from God? If I speak up in the church, do I really hear from him? How do I know? And I think that is why we have to really focus on being and what we're doing because it involves relationship with the Lord. When a vision comes from God, Usually, it's not, when you first get it, that's not the time to jump on it. <laughs> that's the time to hold it before the Lord, pray about it, pray about the details, because most often, not all the details are revealed at first, just to maybe something more general. And if the vision is something that you're doing on a team or in a church, then it's really important for the leader to be in on this vision from the beginning. And that the, whoever you are, that you all pray about that vision and see how God speaks to you. Because that is a very good way to test. Because if you have a vision and half of the people are like this, oh no, that's not it. And half say, yes, that is. You have got to continue with your relationship with one another, continue praying about, continue increasing your relationship above the vision until God makes it clear how to work this out. Because sometimes one group may have part of the vision and the other group may have another part and it can come together beautifully if you wait on the Lord and are patient with one another. And that's one of the reasons why having a team or even just having a spouse is very helpful. Because I don't believe that when we have a team or a spouse, that one person should go out, step out on a vision without the other one. God's plan is for unity. So that's that's one thing, too. The other thing is, um, I was reading a book on this subject just the other day. And the author said, when there is a vision from God or a prophecy or just an impression that God wants to do something, it will have weight over time. What that means is it will grow stronger. I know sometimes I have thought maybe God was speaking to me something and that something just died. It went away. I forgot about it. Or if I remembered, I realized there's no weight to that. There's nothing. The Holy Spirit is just not over that because I just sense it's not important. But things that God puts in our hearts that are important, if we pray, if we're faithful to pray about it, 
they become bigger in our hearts. They, they become heavier or stronger somehow. I don't know how better to say this, but the Lord, the Holy Spirit is so able to make clear this is the way the burden becomes larger, the vision becomes clearer, those kind of, and of course, the unity of the body. We wait until we have unity. So those kind of things are signposts for me that something is from God. And of course, the biggest issue is who am I? Am I a person that for however many years I'm a Christian, I have spent time quiet before the Lord listening to his voice? Or am I doing all the time? If I'm a doer, God made lots of doers. He made Martha's and he loves Martha's. But we need to learn Mary's gift, which is sitting in his presence so that we can hear his voice. And those of us who are Mary's need to learn how to do as well. We, we need both in our lives. But learning to hear God's voice is so important. In fact, I think Dr. Weldon talked about that quite a bit. It's like my husband calls on the phone, cell phone or other phone. I know immediately it's him. I recognize his voice, right? And in fact, here on campus, there's lots of people who call me up. They don't tell me their name. They just start speaking because we know each other's voice. <laughs> That's the way we want to become with the Lord. <clears throat> but then the Lord also will confirm things through relationships, through circumstances, open doors, green lights, all those kinds of things. And the barriers will come. But if you've already done the work of waiting on the Lord, the confidence comes. Yeah, this vision is from him. It's going to be a fight, but it's a good fight. It's a fight we're going to win because this is God's plan. But the guy who goes out with his or her own vision, I'm going to win 200 people this year in Japan to the Lord. And it doesn't happen. And maybe they didn't listen to the Spirit first. You see, it's so easy to get excited about a vision. But God, will, God is a good shepherd. And if, we're, if our hearts are humble, he'll show us. But if it's just we want to do this because we have to feel important. <clears throat> and I, I, I have had that weakness. I'm not blaming anyone. If we get our importance out of our ministry, eventually we're going to have problems with our love tank. And our ministry is not going to be so good anymore. So I encourage us all. Let's wait on the Holy Spirit. And may the Lord give you and those you're working with even more details about what you're doing. Because you've already started. But God probably has a whole new vision for the next step, right? And if you've got if you've got that weight, and that means you've waited on the Lord, and you realize that vision is still in your heart, it's in the heart of those you're ministering with. That's that that you can have confidence. Does that help? Yes.
I love talking about listening to God's voice. <laughs> I could tell stories, but better not. <clears throat> all right. So all of these, all of these things, relationships. Oh my goodness. Uh, let me tell you. I'll tell you one story about relationships. In the Bicol region of the Philippines, uh, unlike Manila today, the use of the word po is very important for politeness. It means sir or ma'am. And I discovered one day that I had pride in my heart because I was having a hard time saying po to all my tricycle drivers. These men were generally between 35 and 50 years old, and uh, somehow I got the crazy idea in my head that I was something special <laughs> in not a good way. And the Holy Spirit one day showed me that I had pride. And when he showed me that, oh, it was so wonderful. The Lord is so wonderful. I heard his voice. I humbled myself, and I said, yes, these tricycle drivers, yeah, maybe they're not the top of the economic world here in the Philippines. They're important to God. They're no different than me. And I had to repent as of my pride as a missionary. I'm thankful I was able to share the Lord with a lot of tri tricycle drivers. But I'm not at all proud of the fact that one day I discovered I had pride. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because he helped me in my relationship with him. I could say, because, you know, we Americans, Westerners in general, are not so sensitive about things. A lot of times Asians are much more sensitive. And I suspect even though I said, to all these tricycle drivers, they may not have felt my respect. After that, I think they did feel it because it was from my heart. Relationship. Oh, learned so much about relationship from the Bicolanos. I'm so grateful. By the way, in Bico, do you know what day it should be today based on what I'm wearing? Now, it's not true. It's not this day. But does anyone here know? You Filipinos probably don't know this. In Bico. You have a birthday, you wear red. Red, yes. Uh, do you do that anywhere else? Yeah, well, you know, the whole Philippines, okay. Yeah, I think they keep the custom perhaps just a little bit better. Every time I wore red, they would all say, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Number five, spiritual character and maturity. When I married my husband, I was 41 years old, and I thought I was so mature. And I found out I was not very mature in some ways. I had to grow a lot. It's so much easier if we we can be real with one another and say, look, I, I told my husband just the other day because we had this kind of difficult conversation. I said, look, sweetheart, I know I'm not a perfect wife. <laughs> Why do I say it? Because it helps me. It helps me to humble myself and say, you know, I don't do everything right in our relationship. But I assaulted. I said to him, I still love you very much. <laughs> oh, so much better. I, I've learned these things. I have to be who I am. And maybe I'm not as spiritually mature as I would like to be, and that's okay. Because the Lord accepts me where I'm at, and as mentors, we get to accept one another where we're at. Hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. We won't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay? Everybody, we'll come back. We'll have an extra long break, and we'll come back about 10 after uh, 3. How's that? Let's come back at 10 after 3, because it's obviously it's time for a break, all right?
we have an announcement. <laughs> I just want to introduce you to Reverend Bob Prince, who's teaching this library, teaching church planning for us. And uh, these are all of our disciples, all 11 of them from seven or eight different countries. And uh, you'll get a chance to, to meet them. They just got back to class. So,
So, very important. Although specific learning goals or competencies may be used as a basis for creating the relationship, its focus goes beyond these areas to such as work-life balance. I have a missionary now in another country who, uh, I don't know, I'll have to look at the email, but very soon we're going to start mentoring. I'm going to start mentoring her on work-life balance because she, like me, almost did herself in by working too hard. She's a wonderful missionary, very gifted, and for that reason, the people in her country want her to do many, many things because she's capable. But she also almost killed herself <laughs> in several ways, her tape upside down. Well, it's my privilege to help her see because I'm, I've learned and I'm still learning the same thing. Self-confidence, self-perception, and how the, how the personal influences the professional. You know if our personal relationships with one another on a team are not good, woo, it's harder to be effective sharing the gospel. Because the gospel affects the relationships if we're really living according to the gospel. Of course, we fall short. But the, the idea in the New Testament is a loving, supportive unity. And when we have trouble and we don't work with that trouble, people can feel. I, I, I have thought a lot about this. Uh, <clears throat> I think a church when people really, really feel the love of God and they get the truth of God and they experience the power of God, that's the best witness we could possibly have. A community that's becoming like the Lord Jesus. Wow. It's us together. It's us together. We, unfortunately, I think a lot of vicious has been influenced by our Western, by, by my culture's Western individualism. That's foreign to the Bible. And I think it's foreign to the kingdom of God. So I just encourage you, relationships influence ministry. Ministry flows out of our relationships with people. They're very, very critical. So as we mentor others and as we receive mentoring, let's never forget we've got to focus on who we are and who we're becoming in Christ. Am I becoming a person who's more and more at peace? Or am I becoming an anxious, worrying, da 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 person? If that's what's happening on the inside, let's change courses. We can go a different direction. And we can certainly do it more easily with help from one another. Okay. Uh, management mentors. Okay. All right. Uh, coaching, mentoring, differences. There's a resource there. Um, I was going to talk to you a little bit about my experience with mentoring at Evangel Bible College of Beacon. Um, what I did was I trained our faculty and staff on the basis of mentoring. One of the basics is 
what is in the group stays in the group. Another basic is this. We don't force anybody to share anything. And I encourage you with your co-mentoring relationships, if there's a if there's a question your partner or your group mate is uncomfortable to share, oh, let's not force anybody. That's not what this is about. But if we're comfortable to answer the question, let's do it. And if we're not, let's be free to say, you know what, I'd like to not answer that right now. I just, you know, and, and then let's let that person be free. Because this is, this is some of the basics of mentoring I taught faculty and staff that that's important. I also taught them this, that our faculty and staff would not come back and meet together and talk about our students because that's breaking confidences. We could come back and talk in general about some of the challenges we were having as mentors, and, but not the details of people's stories. And then we could talk about work out some solutions. But what I found was that our, uh, oh, and the other big thing, and it's true in counseling as well, mentors are not necessarily teachers. Now, we may teach, but it's very important to let the mentee talk. There's nothing more frustrating to come to, come to a an appointment with someone and never get to talk, especially if you've got something you need to share. So that's another big rule I encourage you. Allow the other people in your co-mentoring relationship or allow your mentoring to talk. And try, if, you, if you've got the gift of teaching or preaching, you're going to have to work on people. <laughs> All right? very important. So that's what I taught, because we had all teachers and preachers, and all these men, preachers, good preachers, great preachers, but I told them, hey, you've got to let the, 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 the young man in your group speak. You've got to listen. That's a different skill. And I think most of them learned. I, I don't know if all of them were able to really accomplish that real well. I noticed one in particular seemed to be lecturing his group a little bit too much. <laughs> uh, but again, this is about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the other person's life, not about what you've learned that you can teach them. The Holy Spirit will help you ask them questions and help you to share what you should share at the right time. But silence and listening is really so I taught these, these uh, faculty and these staff people this, and I mentioned it before, but the students loved it. And some of my teachers would come to me and stay, say, you know, the students are telling us that they've waited a long time to have someone they could share with about this. They just didn't know who they could open up to. And it gave them an opportunity. And when I heard that, I was so grateful. And you know, during those years, I didn't know the details. But they would come and tell me. And sometimes they would take a student aside and spend late at night when the student cried. 
In fact, I lent one of our couches, a piece of furniture to some of them. And they said, oh, so many students came and cried on this couch. I was so happy. I thought, oh, our furniture is ministry while we're gone. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> mentoring is about listening. And go to the mentoring and to the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, what are you doing in this person's life? Let me give you an example just from recently. I had a mentoring come to me. And uh, she's living with her non uh, her aunt is not a Christian. And the aunt uh, is really not doing too well. She also has two cousins she's living with. But this aunt uh, uh, is saying many, many negative things to her children and to my mentoring. She's, she's, uh, Losing her temper, blame, much blaming anything she doesn't like, it's their fault. Very difficult situation to live in. And as I was listening to her, and because we had been talking before, I knew the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart what was going on. This was an opportunity for her to strengthen what God was already doing. And that was, God was teaching her patience. Very hard to be patient with a person who's loving. Very, very hard. But I was able to encourage her to know the Lord is patient. And he wants to give you his patience. His spirit is living in you. And he wants you to live out who he is. This is a test. But God's doing something great in you. So it was so wonderful to be able to share that with her. And I could just see that is part of what God is really working on in this particular person. Uh, that's a joy. To be able to connect what God is doing with the circumstance of your friend's life and see how God is building something glorious. Every problem that we have, God is mentoring us through. It takes wisdom to see what's happening. It takes our eyes being open. It takes many times someone to help us see it. Well, getting below the, the surface, and, and here is the thing about mentoring that I think we have to be careful about. Rick Lewis, in this, where is that? This book right here says something I think is so important. I see an abundance of resources to help leaders get a better grip on what to do. It is much harder to find resources that address the issues of who we are as leaders. Resources for getting a grip on what is beneath the surface that crucially affects everything we do in leadership. Let's talk just a minute about getting beneath the surface. <laughs> Surface is what we have on the top of water. 
about the surface of the water. Okay. A lot of times in our lives, there's this maybe water kind of spraying up, and we see a curvature problem, and it misses life. But the Lord knows. And down there, and I'm a terrible artist. So sorry about this. Uh, I don't even think I can do it. Down there, there's a very big fish. <laughs> the question is, what is this fish here? We see a problem. Perhaps we see our mentoring as a conflict. Or perhaps it's us. We're discovering we're having a conflict. Question is, what color is our whale in the ether? What's going on? What is this thing down here? Why are we so uncomfortable and why are we so angry? Well, we don't have to know all the reasons, but it's important to know that there's something going on here. Probably it's something that's hung on in our flesh from our old life before Christ. Maybe there were situations similar to this one in the person's life. There's this memory, and so there's this reaction. Same reaction that we had as a non-Christian. It's our joy as mentors to discover who the person is behind us. They're not that. They're not this angry person that still has this whale. (laughs) Now, they may have to forgive somebody. Maybe there's something that went on in that past that was quite difficult. They have to forgive. If that's the case, the Holy Spirit will show in his time. But as mentors, our job is to say, hey, you know, this isn't who you really are. In Christ, there's some bad frustrations and conflicts and fear. So how how can we grow in this situation? What What could we do the next time this other person comes and says something like that? Who are you really? And how can you make out who you are really with this other person? Maybe those are so difficult things that they should be talked about with the mentor more. And maybe the mentor will open up and talk about how they had a very angry father who said similar things. Okay, that's in their BC before Christ days. Maybe they still need to forgive the father. But then they have the freedom to go open up to become who they really are, not an angry person, but a person full of Christ's peace. That, that's, that's a joy to see the peace of the Lord Jesus being seen more and more in the mentor. Oh, and that's who I want to become. Uh, it's not a matter of just uh, I'm something special. Apart from God, no. It's who he is I need to become. A process. And again, the resources of mentory talk so much about doing how to plan a church or how to do this and that. 
I'm so grateful the Lord is teaching me to be, and I'm still learning. <laughs> okay. So in this critical issue for Mentory B, here are some questions we can ask a mentee or even ask ourselves. Who is the Lord for me personally in my life right now in this circumstance? Okay? Now, here's the thing the Lord may want, for example, uh, 2016 was a, a difficult year for me because I had surgery for cancer the second time and my mother died same year. Who did, and, and I asked the Lord, who do you want to be for me in this? And the Lord showed me he wanted to be my comforter. So here I was going through very difficult circumstances personally in my life. And God's presence in my life through that period was comfort. You know what I'm discovering? I don't understand it. But because I received his comfort, I'm becoming more and more of a person who's able to give comfort to others. I think the New Testament has a verse in that. We become like the Lord Jesus because God reveals who he is for us in our difficult circumstances. And we get to become that. That's what he wants for us. It's, it's beautiful. How aware am I of his presence in everyday things? I'm learning this. This is part of being. I'm a person that focuses on the task. And God's teaching me to focus on flowers. <laughs> and on the beautiful day that he's provided for me. I'm not going to be able to accomplish as much, maybe, because the Lord has me uh, on a program of focusing on Him. Maybe the things I'll accomplish will have more effect. What's God doing in my life? If I ask each of you this question, or this is a mentoring question, what's God doing in your life right now? Can you tell me? Can you tell me? I think maybe some of you could think right away and some might find it more difficult. It is worth sitting before the Lord and asking, Lord, what's going on in my life right now? What are you speaking to me about? Because, you know, all of evangelical Christianity says God is a personal God. If he's personal, he'll show us what he's doing. He might not show us right now, but in his time, he'll show us if we keep asking. My identity, who am I? How do my real beliefs about myself relate to what the Bible says? One of the things God has shown me about who I am comes from um, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1 there's a commandment three times, be strong and courageous, because you are going to give to the people of Israel the territory, their inheritance. 
And I realized that I am a person that is helping to people to see what their inheritance is in God. That's part of my calling. That's part of who I am. That's part of what I'm doing for you this afternoon. Each of us has a great territory, a great inheritance in God. He's got great revelations of who he is for each one of us. We get to grow, we get to conquer territory in the kingdom of God according to God's plan for us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, his plan. But it means we have a very personal relationship. And he's a very personal shepherd, more personal than we realize. And he wants to take us down a pathway where we really relate with the identity that he's got for us. Who am I? I'm a person who helps people find their territory in the kingdom of God. That's part of my calling and who I am. Because God has done it for me and he's still doing it. And I get to open that up to others. Character and destiny. What is God doing to develop my identity and destiny according to his plan? That I become like Jesus and prepare for his dreams for me. What is he creating to me? Wow, good nurturing questions for ourselves. What is he creating? Good to ask God lots of questions. I've been startled, amazed sometimes at the answers he gives me. I write down my questions in my journal. Hello, God. <laughs> no, I don't write hello, God, but I, I ask my questions. God's personal. How can we cooperate together in what God is doing? Again, this is something of nurture or co-nurture. How can we cooperate together? Pretty exciting. I I had a mentor while I was in the States. Even while I was going through all my own trials, the Lord brought us together. Oh, no, I had a mentoree, not a mentor, who was really in a transition part of her life. She had quit her job, and she and her husband had quit their ministry, although he still had a job. But uh, anyway... It was quite an interesting time, and it was just a joy to walk with her through this time. Now, they have moved to a new home. They're in a new ministry, so excited, so built up in the Lord. Whereas at the time, at least what her to take was a little And I'm so grateful that I had the privilege of life just encouraging her to walk through this time, become who she is in Christ, because she and her husband just amazing people. Wonderful, wonderful ministry they've had, and I believe will have. Now, here's the here's our fight. It's the fight of faith, and I believe this is this is the center of our fight of faith as Christians. And I, oh my goodness, I go into this world for a long time, but the world's image of who we are is usually your, your what you do, how well you do it, how beautiful or handsome or smart or rich you are, or who you know. Those are the kind of things the world focuses on to tell us who we are, how rich we are, 
I, in, in the United States today, there's this thing that people talk about. How much am I worth? And that means how much money and, and how homes or whatever do I have? That is exactly opposite of the kingdom of God. Well, here's the problem. Results of living the world's point of view as a missionary are four traps. And um, the guy who made this test that you took talks about these traps. The first was a performance trap. I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. <clears throat> I have to win 200 people in Japan this year to the Lord or I will not feel good about myself. Ooh, what a trap that is. Can you imagine me? <laughs> that would a oh, terrible thing to put yourself into. Approval habits. I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself. Oh, I've had that problem. Oh, certain people, the, especially like my husband, if I find he's not approving of me, I might not feel so good about me. <laughs> are simply criticized. Is that who they really are? <laughs> Shame. I am what I am. I can't change. I'm hopeless. All of those things can happen to missionaries, and they are all worldly sort of ideas about who we are and what our worth is. Our worth comes from the Lord. Our worth, if you think about it, we have to keep thinking about the gospel. Jesus, his life, the son of the kingdom of kings gave his life for us. That's how much we're worth. It comes from God, our worth. Not from our, our performance, not from who approves of us, not from how successful we are. And not even from how we feel about ourselves on a bad day. It's not who we are. It's not our worth. Now, I know you know a lot of this, but when we're in the middle of the night, and we're really tired, and we've just had a fight with our teammates, and then we have bad dreams in the night like these two did, and we wake up, and then several other things go on, and we're not able to handle it well. Wow. We can start to feeling pretty low if we base our worth on what the world says it should be based on. Missionaries, we tend to base so much on how much we can get done for the kingdom of God. Maybe we have to wait a few years for that breakthrough. Can we do that? 
There's a saying in the Old Testament, the tree bears fruit in its season. Some trees bear fruit quickly, some trees take years to bear fruit. Yeah. Where are we going to base our self-esteem, our confidence? Very important. Well, here are some perspectives in mentoring. Some feel that mentoring is about mentors reproducing themselves. And in some of the literature, we'll see something like that. What do you think about that? Should I try to reproduce me? Some sense it's true, okay. What sense might that be that it's true? Any person in my family, nobody is perfect. Everybody in the journey, in course of life, there is only forward in a different society. What we learn is like a drum. But what we do not learn is like the ocean. Then who can compare a drop and ocean? People always still drop like a drop. And in that sense, it's true. In course of large Okay. Thank you. Any other thoughts about this? I experience this is when I um mentor others then some case god also taught me something like uh in that case i also experience so god also takes me and that i can share to my mentor so so even that is uh that what i share to my mentor but that is also for me too Reproduce myself. <laughs> it won't work. 
to start out with. That God, God always makes originals. That means it's one and only one. <laughs> but the other thing is, uh, you know, I, I've learned enough about myself to know that I'm still growing. And I don't want anyone to feel like they have to make the same mistakes I do. One of the, the dangers that I saw with some mentors, in, uh, yeah, because of this kind of thinking, uh, there's a lack of must. Must. Yeah, they, it should be like this. It, should, it must be like this uh, in order for you to be made fair and That's why um, some of uh, what I heard is uh, they felt that they are like robot. <laughs> so, okay, so then I would say perhaps that's a good example of bad mentoring. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, you know. What we're listening to is that God made the ocean. And that ocean is just so full of truth and goodness and life. We we get to reflect a part of it, but it's so important because our mentories are different than us, and their callings are not exactly the same as ours. So having this humble heart you're talking about, saying, I'm learning too, is important because we never want to become God to something. That's the last thing. That's not. I'd say among the, those, some of the, the pastors, mentor, that they don't allow their mentees to be mentored by others. Well, I, I don't know what to say to that because I don't know why you're saying that the context, mm -hmm. context of the whole situation is. But I think, uh, I think in general, Freedom is one of one of the beautiful truths of the gospel. The Lord came to set us free. So I I would really want to hear what the context is of what we're talking about here because I think I think we've already talked about it a little bit. We have different people who might mentor or coach or counsel us in different areas. So we might have quite a few different people that can help us in different ways. And that's wonderful. There's no one human that can help us in any way. Only the Lord can do that. So that's my perspective. I think as mentors, we, we just don't want to try to be what we're not. We're not the Holy Spirit. But we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit and like Julia said the Holy Spirit teaches us to even as we're sharing. I've had that experience so many times. It's wonderful. I sit there, wow, God, this is not my idea. This is yours. I'm so excited I get to share it. Uh, 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 now, here's another kind of not so good idea about mentoring. Others feel that mentoring is where the mentee or the mentor both terms are used. Like telling the mentor where they want to go so that the mentor can help them get there. <laughs> In other words, some people think if I'm going to have a mentor, uh, that that mentor is going to tell me this, this, and this because I want to get here. Okay, I think that really cuts out the Lord's work. Maybe where the men mentor wants to go is not where God wants to go. These things have to be tested. 
So we have to listen to the Lord and see what he's really doing in our lives. So that's another thing. Now in coaching, that could be, if we're talking about maybe a person uh, wants to learn a language, for example, then you need someone that says, well, maybe you need to do this, this, and this. That's different. Mentoring is the bigger picture of life. And in that respect, we're on a journey and we don't know exactly where we're going to go. Only the Lord knows that. So, Lewis says a mentor is part investigator, part farmer, finding out what God is doing in the mentor's life and then working together, quote, to raise the crop that God is looking for in the soul of the mentoree. They prepare the soil, plant water, bring sunlight, protect the seed from birds, etc. So here's, here's what we get to do. We get to become farmers as mentors and actually mentors. What's God planting in our heart? Yeah. And uh, I consider, this is my idea, a mentor is like a doctor assisting in a birth. While the Holy Spirit brings the baby, the doctor provides guidance and help in birthing what the Holy Spirit is doing in the mentor's life. That's, a, that's really a nice picture, I think, of birthing what the Holy Spirit is doing. I love to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's lives. Yeah. It's a walk of faith. <laughs> All right. What did Jesus say? Well, our Lord built his disciples into an independent community. He gave them a mission. Okay, now here's the doing part. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, disciple the nations. But here's the being part. Abide in me. Love one another. And he said, you can't do anything apart from me. That's being. He taught us both being and doing. That's very important. Again, I focus on being here because most missionaries I know are focused more on doing, <laughs> including me. That's been my problem, but I'm working on this too. Jesus is concerned about both doing and becoming. But again, doing comes out of who we're becoming. It's not a relationship with the Lord in Christ. Now, Lewis, in this book, also mentions a number of mentoring themes in the New Testament, one of which I think touches on what David said earlier. Uh, being and doing, like we've discussed, very big theme for mentoring. Mentors as examples. We have, for example, Paul Timothy, and to the church, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. That didn't mean you all become just like I am. It means watch how I am following what the Lord is doing in my life, and you in your own journey do the same thing. <clears throat> Number three, this is what David was talking about. Rejection of domination. Okay? What, what Lewis talks briefly about in this book is this. 
in Jesus' day, a leader lorded it over his people, and they served him. Jesus' model was the opposite, upside down. He took the water in the basin, and he washed the disciples' feet. He served them. And this is the model that he's talking about. It's a humble model. <laughs> I'm always amazed at the humility of our Lord Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, washing the smelly feet of his disciples. And boy, I look at him and I think, what, 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 what kind of a being is that guy? He's completely foreign to all of us in this thinking. Because the world's thinking is, you're the king of kings, the lord of, of lords, you never wash anybody's feet. So this is what the gospel is in mentoring. Mentor serves. And one of the things that sometimes happens in missionary mentoring is, I've heard, that the mentoree is asked by the mentor to do all kinds of things. And that mentoree feels obligated to do it because it's the mentor who's asking. No, that's not such a great thing. Now, if the mentor is your pastor, you're already working together, fine. That's a little bit different thing. But we need to be very careful that we don't ask favors of mentorees. We're there to serve. It's very, very important. Number four, that is the big theme of this book, Creation of Future Leaders. Um, some people come to us and they don't seem too much like a leader, a leader when they come. But we're serving future leaders. And future leaders like all of us have dirty laundry <laughs> and all kinds of negative things in their lives. That's what life is like in this world. So it's really important for us to show respect. Again, it's just the opposite. We don't show domination, we show respect. We treat the tender, difficult things in their lives with respect and humility. That's the attitude of a real manager. And then finally, Christ-centered formation. What does the Lord do? What aspect of his character is he developing in this person's life? What aspect of his ministry is he developing by working on character? Character is everything. Yeah. And Jesus Christ. He's the character that we need. And again, it, it's a work of the Spirit. It's a birthing. It's not saying, do this, 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 and this, and this like that. It's encouraging. And we may need to encourage our mentors to do such things. But laying down the law, I think, would be sort of domination. We have to walk a very careful road there. And of course, Relationship matters. I know a pastor may be able to say more things into someone's life than perhaps another mentor will. Being and doing again. 
Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, etc. And then he says, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. The Lord has taught me that it's more important that I'm with Jesus and he's with me than I'm making disciples. Because my making disciples doesn't come out of the fact that I treasure God's presence with me, whatever he's doing something for me, maybe. But I'm not sure I'm doing it for God. So, I challenge all of us, we do. Let's become. Let's become what God is calling us to be. Well, kind submission and adventure. <laughs> Let me just look at this first one. And then we'll quit for today. Peer mentoring or co-mentoring. The purpose is to become an encouragement and do what God is calling us to be and do. And so uh, we're doing this in class right now. But if you're doing it outside of class, here are some examples of how you might go about doing it. Agree on some mentoring questions to ask one another. Okay, and I'm giving you all kinds of mentoring questions this week. And it could come from something from a book. It might be this book. It might be another book. It could be straight from the scriptures. But if you're co-mentors, let's agree on it. It's not a matter of one person assigning. It's a matter of deciding what do you need? What kind of questions are you asking right there? And then here's another possibility. Read one book a month, or it might be a year even. It doesn't have to be a month. And discuss with one another. Alternate between one person selecting a book than the other. There are many wonderful books that can help mentor us. We can discuss and learn from one another and pray for one another about the issues that they bring up. And another thing co-mentors can do is help one another to be accountable if they both agree. It's very important we don't force anyone to be accountable about things. But if they want an accountability partner, for example, about prayer life, um, maybe you're having a hard time praying. Maybe your partner could pray with you and say, okay, uh, when are you going to pray? And then you, maybe you could say, will you ask me next week or next month when you leave if I pray according to what I, I'm talking about? The co-mentor must decide for him or or herself what the goals going to be. But you can ask about it. And it, sometimes it helps to have someone to ask, did you do what you wanted to do? Thought life. I, I've had a mentor that worked with me on my thought life. There are certain things, certain directions I would go and get stuck. One of the 
questions was, have you been doing this? <laughs> then I'd have to report, but that was good. You'd be aware when I started going down the negative hills. Helpful. Temptation factors. And one of the temptations is to not say no. <laughs> As Dr. Barb talked about this whole business of no. And my friend in this other country who wants to be uh, mentored on life balance, she said she has to say no. There you go. How can you do that? But what will happen if you don't? So maybe you need a, a co-mentor or a mentor to ask you, have you said no? Are you doing too much? Did you have a day of rest? Those kind of whatever it is that you're working on. Physical fitness, discipline, all kinds of issues. Uh, and my, my husband's really good at physical fitness. <laughs> he lifts weights, he plays basketball. I'm not quite so good at it. Come here. We'll be on some exercises. If we're going to be responsible for our whole life, you to think about that, come up with your own ideas. I encourage you to get a co-venture, especially if you don't have a mentor available. Many times you go to a place and mentors uh, aren't taking place. Thankfully, there are things like Skype and other things these days that we can get in touch with someone from our country. I just encourage you to do it. I'm encouraging myself too. I need a mentor too. We all do. So, um, I think I'm going to stop there. And tomorrow we're going to go on and talk about mentoring relationships and some more things about qualifications and so on of being a good person. Some of the ideals to work for in being a good mentor. So you're welcome to look at the PowerPoint if you like. You don't have to. But may the Lord bless you. Let's all stand up. And uh, I'm going to pray for you at the end of this day. Father, thank you um, for a good afternoon. Thank you, Lord. It's been a long day, and I know everyone's tired of all these hours. But, Lord, I just pray for each of us that you'll help us to enter into good, wholesome, helpful, mentoring relationships that are guided by your Spirit. Show us where to go for mentors. Show us what to do. And, Father, I just pray that you will use this mentoring part of our class as something that brings strength and light and wisdom to each student in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thank Have you. a good evening.